Hi, Satellite Sisters. We're excited to announce our new weekly newsletter, Pep Talk. That's right. It's happening. A little pep talk in your inbox on Fridays. Every issue will be short and sweet with podcast highlights, our recommendations for books, TVs, and films that are going to keep you entertained, plus recipes and other, you know, tidbits. And of course, there'll be a little pep talk because we all need that right now, don't we? It's the perfect newsletter to enjoy and then share with your satellite sisters and misters. You can find sign-up links all over the place, on our social media, on our website, on our Facebook, on our Instagram. We would love to have you sign up for Pep Talk now. Thanks. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a satellite sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm the youngest of the Dolan sisters. I'm a writer and producer. I'm happy to be here today. Liz, what's (laughs) happening there? I am Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I'm at home in Santa Monica, California. First of all, I cannot believe it's December, sisters, but I think that's good. I think some years you just, they should go quickly, and this would be one. (laughs) The faster it moves, the better, but I'm very happy to be here. Julie? Hey, this is Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. I'm in Dallas, Texas. I'm in my closet. Um, I'm an empty nester and urban and slash suburban um, nana with five grandchildren. And I agree with you, Liz. Let's just keep this year rolling, okay? (laughs) Well, we're going to keep it rolling here on Satellite Sisters. Occasionally, we get together for some production meetings where we try to think up things, maybe make some (laughs) Big ideas happen at Satellite Sisters. And Julie, you brought a big idea to us just before Thanksgiving. Your idea was that the rest of the year should be what? What's your theme for December, Joel? Theme for December is perk it up. Perk it up. Now, we all know what kind of year this has been, uh, so we don't have to discuss that. But as our mother, Edna Dolan, would say, you have to make an effort. Isn't, do you remember her saying that? Just, you just yes, try yes. to be nice? Well, that's what I think our theme is for December. This is going to be a hard set of holidays. We just have to perk it up, perk it up. We have to keep try to keep ourselves cheered up in order that we can help the others around us. So mm-hmm. this is the time, this is the month where you have to deliberately, intentionally Do things like bake a batch of bars, get a new dish towel, blow dry your hair, okay? Light a candle, okay? Dance in your house, get some hot chocolate, whatever it takes, perk it up. Okay. All right. All right. Those are some strong words, strong (laughs) words from Julie Dolan. Well, we have embraced it here at Satellite Sisters. So over the next three weeks, we're doing three more shows in December. Uh, We're going to bring you special guests that we hope perk it up. Today, we're going to be talking to Amy Mayo. You may not have heard her name, but you know her songs because she is a huge Grammy Award winning songwriter out of Nashville. She has sort of an astonishing new memoir about her, to gently put it, chaotic childhood which really reads like a country song, but 
worse. <laughs> so, uh, but now Amy writes songs for Faith Hill and Blake Shelton, and she's you can hum along to her songs. So we're going to be talking to her later, but also about music, memory, the holidays. We're going to revisit our holiday playlist. She has some suggestions to add. So we're doing that. Uh, next week, Julie, your your suggestion was getting some gift-giving experts on the show. So they are arriving in the form of Real Simple Editors, going to help us out with some unusual gifts for the holiday season. And then, Liz, you're, you're bringing Perkin it up uh, on home in mid-December. Who is coming on? Yeah, our final guest for the year is Wanya Lucas. She is the CEO of Crown Media, which is the Hallmark Channel, sisters. We were talking about who really has the perk it up spirit, and we decided that the Hallmark Channel brings it over the holidays, right? And that if anyone could help us uh, channel that uh, Hallmark Channel spirit, it would be... um, it would be the person who's in charge. So Wanya Lucas is the new CEO of the Hallmark Channel since this summer, but I knew her way back in the day we were colleagues. So she is really excited to join us on the 15th. That will be really fun. They're doing some amazing interesting things over there and i'm sure that she had a big part of that so that's great i look forward to that liz mm-hmm. we got the ceo of the hallmark channel as i said to liz we don't want any of the actors <laughs> only want the ceo we well, went straight to the top if, if we're gonna perk it up perk it up you all have to do your homework you have to start watching more of those hallmark movies yeah and that is going to make you feel better All right. Later on in the show, we have entertaining sisters. We're going to unpack the undoing a little bit, Liz and I, without any spoilers, because Julie hasn't seen it. We know you haven't seen it. But it was a cultural event happening this weekend. And let's hear it for scripted TV. That doesn't happen too much anymore around scripted TV. So that's great. Uh, Let's see. Liz, you have some cooking with Liz. You're going to fill us in on how your your lemon bars went this weekend. But even more than that, I've added one event to the schedule just to perk it up just to perk it okay. up okay all right and then julie you're going to bring some tuesday trends so I, we have that happening too today okay but can we start the show with a five dollar shout out and a big satellite sister welcome to the newest satellite mr baby jonas Aww. and proud parents jennifer and tony skinner now as many of you know jennifer is a longtime listener a frequent facebook group poster And we are so happy for you and your new family member, baby Jonas. Uh, Thank you for sharing with all of us um, all the the excitement of, of having a baby. And I have to give a shout out to all new moms. And I'd like to, including my niece, Emily, who's due at the end of the month. It really sort of... The special courage that moms to be and fathers to be have have to have uh, when you're having a baby during a pandemic, and we just want to really think of you all and just wish you all the best and congratulations and a big welcome to baby Jonas. Ah, yeah, very nice, very nice. Yes, yes, yes. adorable pictures of him already in the Facebook group. I'm sure we will see him grow up. (laughs) Okay, so now I have a. I want a special shout out to another female first. You know how we like to recognize female first here at Satellite Sisters. So, uh, brava to Sarah Fuller, who was the first female uh, to play in a major college football game because she is the she was the kicker this weekend for Vanderbilt 
And Vanderbilt is part of the Power Five sisters. I'm sure you know that. So there have been a few other women that have played in college football games, but not in the Power Five. Uh, The Power Five, in case you're wondering, because I was, uh, is the Southeastern Conference, Atlanta Conference, Big Ten, Big 12, and Pac-12. So anyway, but here is Sarah's story, which is so cool. So because of coronavirus and contact tracing issues, a whole bunch of team members of Vanderbilt's football team could not suit up. So the coach had to go find a kicker. And first he thought about anyone who was already suited up for the game. Did any of them have um, the skills and decided no. So he thought, well, I'll call our soccer team. But in the case of Vanderbilt, it was the women's soccer team because they had just won their conference. So there are two things I love about this story. The first is the phone call that Sarah Fuller got and how she responded. So it was Monday. The, the, the game was on the weekend, but it was Monday. Her team had just won. She was packing in Nashville to go home to Texas for the holidays, and she got a call from an assistant soccer coach, and he kind of explained the situation over there on the football team, and uh, he said, yeah, so uh, they need a kicker, and Sarah said, all right, I'll be there in an hour. No, I'll be <laughs> she said, I'll be there within the hour. So that's it. I mean, that's the spirit you want when you're calling someone in from a whole different sport to fill in. That's a stay noisy shout out right there. So anyway, so she's at the game. They have a terrible team. They they don't win any games. And so they're, gonna not, say, they're, not, they're, yeah. they're not that good. Okay. But carry on. That's, that's why it's all about spirit, right? It's all about perking it up. So they're losing kind of badly. It's the end of the first half. And she said, I just wanted more energy on the sidelines because I know like on the soccer team, what's happening on the sidelines makes a big difference. And that's the only way I've seen it work. Volunteered to do a halftime pep talk, sisters. Like when they went in at halftime, they're getting crushed. Who speaks to the team? Sarah Fuller speaks to the team. And she said, so as some, she's got a beaming smile and a big personality. And she said, I tend to be more aggressive and straightforward. So I feel like my speeches and everything weirdly fit better with the football team, even with the soccer team. <laughs> so, so I was glad to step up. So there you go. She's on the field. She's in, she's in the locker room doing, giving the halftime pep talk. And then she comes out and she kicks off uh, for the second half and really meets her moment it's just a very run-of-the-mill kick but the fact that she did it and that she was holding her own space so this is a special stay noisy shout out to sarah fuller of the vanderbilt men's football team okay oh, well, i hope she sells her life rights for a lot of money right there <laughs> i think she should, could be a hallmark movie right I'm there. Just, just gonna say that okay <laughs> lean get to work on the script right away okay <laughs> Well, sisters, you know, it's Tuesday and I, I've come up with some trends uh, and these are uh, things that we need to discuss. First is, as you as you well know, and I know this is changing all over the country, but people want to eat out. OK, right. They want to go to restaurants. I know in some places like L.A., they're closing restaurants, but other places, restaurants are still open and people are willing to do a lot of things in order to just not eat at home. Like, so that's why outdoor dining has all, has, has been created. But here's a new trend in dining, and that would be early bird dining. People are going out for dinner at 4.30 in the afternoon. Four, 4.30, 5. And the reason they're doing this is because 
it, the weather is a factor and it's a little warmer and lighter <laughs> if you have yeah. to eat inside and you, you live in Chicago, you know, it might go better um, at, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon. Also, people are doing it for, uh, for um, more social distancing. There are less people eating at these sort of offbeat times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's become this trend to, to go to dinner, or is it liner? I don't know, somewhere <laughs> between lunch, or is it high tea? I don't know. But, um, or is it just a sophisticated late lunch? I'm not sure. But um, they're get, restaurants are getting a lot of bookings for people for four thirty, five o'clock. Okay, okay. sounds well, good. Yeah, yeah I'll just say, I'll say this, Julie. I, well, I'm not going to any restaurants, that's for sure. But the I feel like my dining time has changed dramatically during the course of the current unpleasantness. Because in the beginning, you thought, well, I can eat as late as I want because I'm not going anywhere tomorrow. So whatever. So my my dinner time started getting later and later. But then as this all wore on, now it's like, how early can I eat? I can just go to right? So if, it's, <laughs> if I'm making dinner at 4.30 or 5, then by 7, I'm like, can I go to bed now? It's dark and Is I'm ready. Tough? Okay. And I have I have nothing to do. So yeah, it has been. Uh, I am trending early earlier too. Leanne, how about it, you? Are you trending earlier? Well, I was always early, but I'm just laughing because Liz held people who ate early in very low esteem. Right? <laughs> I mean, she has mocked Sheila, for instance, for 25 years for like wanting to eat by 6 p.m. That's true. And now, Liz, yeah. it's on. I mean, this this whole pandemic has really changed you. You're okay. making your own meals and you're eating at 5 p.m. You are, and you're going to bed early. <laughs> you are on trend, Sister Liz. OK, so that's <laughs> it. You, and it's just a question of whether like if you eat dinner at 430, does, do you skip lunch or then what do you do about 10 o'clock at night when, <laughs> when you're hungry again? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, you have to avoid that midnight snack there at 10 p.m. Okay. Second trend, and this is coming from the bound to happen department, remote school, that's online learning, has created a whole new group of people for teachers to manage. And you know who those are? Parents, okay? Uh Because parents are now, moms and dads, have a new view on on the classroom, okay? And they're having a hard time staying out of it, or at least staying quiet. I mean, teachers are reporting all over the country that they're being interrupted on their Zoom classes by parents, okay? Oh, wow. So, no, that's not good. Schools have had to send memos home reminding parents that swearing in the background or uh, remaining fully clothed if you're walking through the Zoom picture is very important. <laughs> Well, you can see that if you set up your child like in the dining room or the kitchen, you know, and you're just walking by, you know, maybe you don't have your shoes on. I don't know. Okay. We're walking by naked and swearing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot. I I would say whether the Zoom is on or not, you probably shouldn't be doing that at home. (laughs) I know. With your children. But okay. Good point. Okay. Okay. But here's things that uh, parents... You know, that another thing that parents are doing, which is absolutely forbidden, is parents are like asking teachers for tech help during the Zoom class. Like they're in their their home and something's not happening on their laptop and they're interrupting class, asking the teacher to help them with uh, with some tech problem. Okay, to poor teachers. Okay, they're doing their best out there. They are they are. 
<laughs> I mean, well, can you imagine? So in some cases, some teachers report that, um, you know, I don't know if this is a national trend, but at least a quarter of their students have their parents sitting right next to them during their online classes. Oh, wow. Well, yes. that's just not yes. good for anyone. That's yes, well, good. that is it. And now it's, it's, you know, usually, you know, with parents, there was a little help, like, occasionally during when you had to do the science project. I mean, you know, there's, there, have you ever seen science projects of, like, fifth graders? You know, there's always one where they've discovered a new DNA uh, a tool at home right. or something. You know, there may have been a little parental help on that. But now teachers are having a real time on figuring out who is doing the work, you know, uh, and they've never, a lot of parents are seeing for the first time that children struggle to learn because that's what learning is about. You do struggle, but they never saw that because the ch child was in the classroom, but now they're at home. They're sitting right next to them and many parents can't help themselves. They don't want their children to struggle. So they're, they're uh, just typing in. They're moving their fingers and typing oh. answers. You see this, okay? Uh, this hmm. is well. This, this this explains why a friend of mine who's a fifth grade teacher, she is a public school teacher. She's on the hook for six hours of live teaching a day. That's yes. on on the Zoom, right? Yes. With a class of thirty. So yeah. she said, by Friday, we're all crying. I'm crying. <laughs> the kids are crying. <laughs> we're all crying. Oh, she I said, some days we just all put our heads down on our desks. <laughs> so. Well, you can see that, including the parents. They have yeah. to put so, so parents, please, okay, take this, you know, listen, you know, we this is a difficult time, but let's let's try to appreciate the remarkable job that teachers are doing to do this remote learning and uh, and stay out of class, keep your clothes on, no swearing, and don't <laughs> ask for tech help. Okay. Finally, Liz and Lee, and I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, Liz, as a former mar marketer, uh, and certainly as a, you know, you're an expert in all things there, and Leon as a very clever writer. Here's the challenge for, um, for a lot of companies that are um, introducing plant-based foods, okay? They've done market research, and they've realized that, that using the term vegan or vegetarian Apparently, that's a big turnoff. I don't know why. It seems like if you were vegan or vegetarian, you would clearly want your food, plant-based food, marked as such. But they're trying to give them some uh, cute names. So I wanted to ask your reactions to some of these new names for plant-based foods. Okay, the first okay. one, Morningstar Farms, they have a, uh, I don't know, faux meat product that they're calling Incognito. <laughs> what do you think about that? Would you like an incognito burger, Leon? No, no? I, I, I really am not a big pun fan. <laughs> How about I'm just that's an across just, the board? I, hey, I'm no. just imagining that meeting, Julie. Just having been in so many rooms like that, like when that goes up on the whiteboard because somebody has said there are no bad ideas, right? So that goes up on the whiteboard along with a hundred others, and somehow that survives. That's quite a meeting. That's <laughs> okay. Well, what about yam chops? <laughs> what do we what do we have okay, in that's funny i like that i like that a lot better than incognito yeah okay. i like yam chops how about unicorn meat would you like a unicorn meat burger tonight oh that just sounds mean that really sounds, that's disturbing <laughs> we're, con we're conjuring up dead unicorns now okay. no no okay, that's not good all right well mcdonald's which is introducing plant-based um food they just, they tried to keep it simple. And I wanted your reaction to their name, Mick Plant. 
That, <laughs> that is so smart. It Very does it all. It, it does everything you would want it to do. It could yeah. not be simpler. Cannot be steal, cannot be stolen. I love that. I would never buy it or eat it, but I love it. Okay. What about a PLT? Would you like that? Does that create plant positivity? Because that's what they're trying to create. Plant positivity. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. I didn't even understand the P. I, I, plant. I did not understand. I did not. I did not think plant. I have to be honest. Okay. And finally, one called Beyond Meat. Would you want something that's beyond meat? I've tried that. Yeah. And I'll just say it's too far beyond meat for me. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I thought it was a good try, though, naming wise. But yeah, no. Okay. Well, I think this is a whole new category. We, you can just spend some time trying to cook up names for uh, plant-based food because we're okay. going to see a lot more of them. And uh, obviously, they need some work, some of them. Okay. Well, you know, as long as we're we're in the trend part of our, you know, discussion and we're talking about food. Could I talk to you a little bit about my microbiome? Um, <laughs> oh, please, because <laughs> gut health is all about. There is nothing trendier than gut health. I think gut health is even trendier than plant-based food. I think so. Yeah. So here's the deal. Like a year ago, I went to a nutrition lecture and it was a lot of things, but it was mainly gut health and explaining what our microbiome is, which, you know, for those of you that don't know, you have trillions of bacteria in your gut. Some are good, some are bad. And apparently, science says the gut microbiome, that's the name of all those bacteria, it plays a very important role in all of your health, across many things you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't believe, like brain health and heart health. It's not just your digestion. Anyway, so I went to this thing, and I thought, well, that's interesting. And then a year later, I was like drinking an, a kombucha, and I'm thinking wait a minute, why am I drinking this again? I like didn't remember anything about what, what the whole deal was. The, my only takeaway was kombucha. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get, I got nothing to do. I'm going to get one of those gut microbiome tests. And it, it's not really that I have nothing to do because all the work I had before the pandemic, it still exists. It was always remote. It's just that I have nothing else to do besides work, right? So, right. um, so testing my fecal matter really sounded appealing. Because that's... <laughs> Did you just say that on Satellite Sisters? Mm -hmm. I thought we had a meeting about that. Yes. Okay. Yes. But that's, Julie, you wanted to know what was the actual test. That's what the actual test is. You have to sample the what comes out of your gut. So you send that in. And so just last week, I got the results. Now, I have not had an expert, a nutritionist, who I will talk to, explain the results to me, but there are just some things in here that I'm like, you are kidding me. You know, most of it is hundred percent, not surprising, but I'll tell you one thing that really shocked me. And one thing that didn't shock me at all. And then I promised never to talk about my microbiome again. Got okay. Yeah, okay. I know I'll that allow it's, it. I know that it's it. the worst. Okay. So the thing that really shocked me is your MUFA versus your PUFA. And what that is, is apparently the monounsaturated fatty acids sisters, uh, that would be starting with olive oil, but avocados, all of that, that's a no-go for Liz Dolan, for Liz Dolan's microbiome. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like for the last 10 years, all we've heard is how healthy olive oil is and how, yeah, avocado is a good fat. No, no. 
how could that be possible? Instead, just for your microbiome yes, or for all yeah. microbiomes? No, for mine. For oh, mine. okay, okay. Because you are you are predisposed to certain things uh, by your DNA and microbiome. So I'm supposed to stay away from all the monounsaturated fatty acids and go to the PUFAs, which is I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that stands for. It's the polyunsaturated. <laughs> but that means all the things that I thought yeah, I was supposed to be. Your so the your grapeseed oils, your canola oils that I thought I was supposed to be avoiding. No, that's what my microbiome is crying out for. So that that's a shocker that somebody has to explain to me. And then on the flip side, they give you a list of mm-hmm. oh, and you have you have mocked me about this. Speaking of mocking, mm-hmm. for you know most of my adult life. Well, do you know uh, what? Do you know what mustard is that? One of your superfoods. One of my superfoods, Julie, is balsamic oh. vinegar. Oh, that was my second guess. <laughs> so apparently all these years when I've been dousing all of my food in balsamic vin- vinegar, it's because my microbiome was crying out for it. Wow, and- Liz, that's unbelievable. That's good fortune <laughs> for you. And so as a result, I have... I like a hugely diverse microbiome. And then I'll just leave it there. Oh, one last thing. Apparently, really the solution to all my problems is artichokes. So I don't know what to do about that. Because the only oh. the, the only artichokes I ever eat are the ones that come in a jar, like marinated in oil, which is probably olive oil. So yeah, that's out. Anyway, so I might do an all artichoke season of cooking with Liz to figure out what I'm going to do. Anyway, that's it. My microbiome reporting in. Thank you. Thanks for sharing, sister. Wow. Okay. I hope I hope follow that. I it's... hope there's no, you know, like sibling relationship with microbiomes. Yep. Yeah, I, I have no. Yeah, yeah, I cannot help you there. Okay, let's never speak of it again. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, I want to mention that I'm doing one promotional thing this week. And uh, for people in the Southern California area, I'm going to be at my friend Tilly's beautiful store in Pasadena called Southern Roots. And I am going to be sitting and signing uh, copies of the Sweeney Sisters if that's on your gift list. I'll put all of the information in the newsletter and at various Facebook pages and at my website. But I just wanted to alert people that it's this Sunday, December 6th from two to four. Here's the tragedy. Tilly and I have been planning this for a while. It was going to be a real book talk. There was going to be food and drink and a little bit of a party, a little bit of what I believe the public health officials would call a quote, public gathering. And so Those were all disallowed Monday in Los Angeles County. So we read through all of the uh, allowances this week, and we believe that I can sit outside under a tent in the parking lot and sign books. So that is what's going to be happening. So I won't really be able to do a book talk, but if people want to come and go from two to four, Tilly's store will be open. She'll also have a pop-up shop outside to keep me company. Uh, Tuck, which is a beautiful clothing store next door, is also participating. So that's it. Two to four, I'll be sitting outside. Everyone wear your masks. We can chat, but we can't take our masks off. <laughs> but that's my one and only like in-person Sweeney signing. This this entire book tour is going to be happening this Sunday. So okay. I'll put all the information at various places. But it's at Southern Roots in Pasadena on Sunday. So if you're well, in the area, we'll help you support her store because those little stores like that, they need all the help we can give them. Oh my gosh! And she has beautiful things, beautiful housewares, beautiful 
decoration. She's a brilliant florist. She has houseplants. And so, yeah, so it's a, it's a mutually beneficial event and I was happy, happy to help her out. So anyway, that's the deal, uh, in person, but masks on and distance and distance. Ah. Oh, very festive. Very festive. It does, it does. Does sound festive, yeah. Sounds very. Yeah, we're gonna perk it up. You can perk it up, Leah. Perk it up. (laughs) All right, stay with us. Up next, we're talking to Amy Mayo uh, about her music, about memory, about what she wants to put her holidays. She's called Talk. Uh, She's really had a chaotic childhood, but now she thrives as a Grammy award-winning country music writer. And we are looking forward to talking to her. But first, we want to thank a couple of sponsors. We want to thank ButcherBox for being a sponsor of Satellite Sisters and a sponsor for a long time. We appreciate that kind of support. And listeners, if you love Satellite Sisters, we really believe you're going to love ButcherBox, where you can get incredible deals on premium cuts of beef. And deals this good are hard to come by even at the grocery store. All right. What we love about ButcherBox? Convenience. High quality meat and seafood you can trust that shows up right at your doorstep with free shipping always and you can curate that customized box plan. And you know who this is perfect for, Jewel? No, laying what? The meal preppers in your life, okay? Meal prepping now is being taken to a whole new level. We used to just think of it as making a few things on Sunday, but no, people are on top of it. They are planning out their meals for the week, and ButcherBox is designed for this. It's perfect. You get these proportioned, you know, high quality meat servings that come right in. It's right in your freezer. You can look ahead for the week ahead and go, okay, I've got chicken. I've got the salmon. I've got the scallops. Oh, I've got steak tips. Fantastic. My week is done. So if you're a meal prepper, you're getting organized with your meals this week, ButcherBox is for you. I absolutely love the quality. This is exactly how I plan my meals. Looking in my freezer, what do I have? Let's go. So we want to tell you, Satellite Sisters, about a great deal. The key to becoming a meal prep master, stay stocked up on the essentials. ButcherBox is here to help you do just that. They're offering Satellite Sisters listeners their choice of a weeknight meal must-have. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year, plus $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sisters. And use code SISTERS to choose your free offer and get $20 off. That's right. ButcherBox.com slash SISTERS and use code SISTERS to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Thanks, ButcherBox. We are happy to talk to Amy Mayo on Satellite Sisters. Amy Mayo is a Grammy-nominated songwriter and author. Her songs have spent 26 weeks in the number one spot on the Billboard charts, and albums featuring her songs have sold over 155 million units worldwide. Have you heard of Blake Shelton? Yep, because she's written with him. She's written with Sarah Evans, Martina McBride. She had a huge hit with the band Lone Star on the uh, the like mega best-selling song, Amazed, uh, Kenny Chesney, you name it. She has literally written with everyone and for everyone. And it's a pleasure to talk to Amy today on Satellite Sisters about her new memoir, Talking to the Sky. Wow, Amy, welcome to Satellite Sisters. Ah, it's so good to talk to y'all. Are you in Nashville right now? Yes, I'm in Nashville and it's freezing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just snowing a little bit. Oh, wow. Okay. A white Christmas. Very Christmassy. <laughs> well, Amy, congratulations on the book. This is really 
quite a story. I mean, such vivid detail, such storytelling, you know, but you had a very chaotic life. I'm wondering what it's like for you to have a book out about yourself and how is that different about hearing the song you've written, you know, that's being sung by Blake Shelton on the radio. What are the differences? Are there any comparisons to the experience? Well, the, the book was like a million times harder to write. Like, um, because like, I really learned a lot about, I, I'm already getting emotional. Like we just started talking. <laughs> it was okay. the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, like for a long time, I didn't, know if I would finish it because it took 15 years and I just I've got a bad OCD with writing things over and over and I realized I was trying to make it perfect but it I had my first draft in 2006 and nothing can be perfect you know like it's the imperfections that make it awesome well, why don't you tell people what the subtitle is? Because I think it will give people an idea of how what the book is about. Seriously. Um, it, well, it's called Talking to the Sky, a memoir of living my best life in a shit show. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it really is true. I mean, my I've had the craziest life. I mean, I don't know if I've ever met anybody like that's had a crazier life and it's I mean like from it's just been nuts like when when I was eight my dad shot himself we went from being technically homeless to like he he lived but then he went on to be a songwriter and we just like and then he made millions my parents got divorced but he made millions and then he died homeless so right. um, and grow he was just crazy bipolar and it was sometimes it was awesome and sometimes it was awful and then on the other side of it amy that's your dad's side and it, it is i mean i just i would go from page to page thinking this can't be real like at <laughs> one point your dad appeared to have no money but then he bought several of elvis presley's cars yeah. and you toured all over the country with elvis presley's cars like that was a part of your childhood yeah and it was really nuts because he went from being a janitor to like a year later doing that. And my grandparents, they like mortgaged their home and like they could have lost everything. And then like, I just wanted to be a songwriter, like from the time I was eight. And then when I got like 18, I had dreamed all my life of doing that. And I just filled diaries full of dreams about it. And then I just realized I didn't have a way out of Alabama and like I was just I, I felt trapped and then I tried to kill myself and then I ended up in Nashville and then I married a wife beater who I don't even know if he knows this book's out yet. I'm real nervous about that. You know, I was wondering, you just really quickly went through a lot of pretty serious dark material. But I was wondering if you had told these stories before. Like, I know you've confided you have a husband now. You've been married for over two decades, a loving man. Um, but had you told some of these stories to family and friends? Or were these things that you really kept inside? Most, a lot of it was stuff I kept inside. Like, especially with my first ex-husband. Like, because that kind of stuff, you don't tend to tell people, like, because you're embarrassed. And, and it's you know right. but then then on the other side like 
my mom got remarried to my stepdad and me and him just we butted heads so bad he's but he's part of why i'm a writer because he kept me grounded for like three years and all i did was write and it gave me a big head start and i was just in my bedroom writing non-stop but the crazy thing accidentally burned the house down and our relationship was so bad i couldn't tell anybody because if he found out i didn't even know what would happen and so they found out about that I burned the house down with the book. Oh, that's when they found out? Because yeah. again, I, I mean, you're reading along and you're like, and this is when I burnt the house down. And it was the most innocent thing. You didn't do it on, on purpose. I was trying to do something nice. I was trying to do a favor for my teacher. And then I just threw a cigarette down like outside. But my stepdad had a gas can behind the trash can. So it kind of was almost like, like just, I don't even know what you would call it. It's like our, our relationship exploded or something between the gas can and the cigarette. You know, so, Amy, Amy, this is Liz. I just got to say, Leon told us about, about the book and about your story. And some of it is so serious, dangerous, but as you tell it all in the short version right here, it sounds like a country song. I mean, like you, you just, you just sort of pitched five different country songs. They, you know. I blew up my house with a gas can. <laughs> Why is it? That could be a hit. That could be a hit. It's weird because the whole time I've been writing this, I realized, actually somebody else realized it and told me, but my songs have kind of lined up with it, like along the way. Like I'll write, I didn't realize like I've got a lot of songs that say stuff about, like there's one, um, song that says I talk to the sky and wonder if you hear me and then there's another one this Kenny Chesney song called who you'd be today and it's talking about sometimes the sky's so blue I feel like I can talk to you like I was kind of sprinkling it in songs before I even knew the title of my book you know Mm -hmm. I you we you have these two really overwhelming things happening your whole life you have mental illness on your dad's side uh, and violence on your mom's side. Okay. A lot of domestic violence in your background. And I kept asking myself when you finally, when the book finished, like, how did you get out of there alive? Was that the central question of the book that you were trying to answer as you were writing it? Or did you know what you were writing when you started? I, it kept, the book kept changing because I started it when my dad died and my dad died in such a shocking way that like, I guess I was trying to make sense of it. And also the newspaper put on the front page, like Danny Mayo dies mysteriously in motel room. And so everybody thought my dad killed himself when he died, but he didn't. And I I just, that's what started the book, kind of trying to set that straight. But then I realized when I was writing the book, um, the first line of the book, that's my favorite line. It says, um, all my greatest gifts have come wrapped in ribbons of pain. And so I realized that each super painful thing I had been through led to something really good. I had never put it together that like my first husband, he was the first person that would write a song with me. And we wrote songs together and he's really talented. I wish him the best. Like I, I, I'm a little nervous about what he's going to do, but I, you know, I don't have any bad feelings, but I realized like without that experience, I don't know if, you know, if I would 
be a songwriter. I mean, I'd be a songwriter, but I don't know what would be going on. And then like when I tried to kill myself and then finally got to Nashville, that was one of the most painful things. And then my stepdad keeping me grounded gave me this giant head start as a writer. So each one of those things was like, was like painful, but it led to something good. And so I don't know when I started this book, I didn't know what it was, but I had somebody tell me the other day, this is a book for dreamers. And I was like, oh, I love that. Like it's such a concise way to put it. I was hoping that people would like go after their dream. Like if they're in a little town and they want to move somewhere and do something, or if they want to do it in that town, that they would just go after their dream. And if somebody was in a bad relationship that they would get out of it, that that would be, that would be worth everything, you know, if it was helping other people. You know, Amy, there's a moment in the book where you're, you're in, you're finally in Nashville and you're finally doing what you want to do. You're a songwriter, you're signed. Uh, and, uh, you wrote like at 23, you were the youngest songwriter in the building. And you know what I thought? I thought, how is it possible? She is only 23. Like you lived up. <laughs> You lived a lifetime before that. I mean, I, yeah, so I think it is a book for dreamers because I, I thought, is she a hundred now? She's been through all these experiences. She must be 95 at least. You were 23 and then you turned it around really. Yeah. It's really crazy. I, I did have, oh Lord, somebody's here. Um, <laughs> let's see. I got to get, hold on one second. Okay. That's Right. My husband's in the studio. Um, yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a live call. Okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> he ain't going. My husband ain't even gonna know what they're doing here. It's a carpenter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's, That's okay. all right. That's okay. It happens all the time. Don't worry. You can see me. I'm gonna move so they don't know I'm in here. Okay. <laughs> Okay, sorry about that. Well, when you get to Nashville and you're writing songs, I really loved reading about the description of your work in the book. That moving to Nashville, making it as a songwriter, waitressing, waiting on, you know, Kenny Chesney and getting to know all these other songwriters and singers. But I didn't really absorb the fact that you didn't play any instruments like guitar or piano and you didn't sing because your dad once told you you were tone deaf and so yeah. you didn't sing anymore. So is it unusual to be a successful songwriter without like the music skills that you didn't have? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It, I don't I never knew another one like anybody doing, you know, that wasn't most of the girl songwriters here. They moved here to be country stars, you know, like they're great singers. And so it was rare. Like I realized, though, pretty quick that um Every time we were in a songwriting appointment, it was never the music we needed. Like everybody here plays an instrument. And so that was a benefit because I had so many ideas and song titles and lyric pieces that that's what we always needed was a great idea or like just a little lyric to get us started. And because um, pretty much everybody plays music. The scary thing was I was afraid to sing in front of anybody. And that I would hear melodies and I would just be terrified. Like I thought I was tone deaf because he told me that. But then 
Um, I don't know if y'all know Martina McBride. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Yes. She is the first one that made me feel better because she's and and she's like female vocalist of the year, like four times or something. But she told me she came up and found me at this party and she said, I love your voice. You've got one of the weirdest voices I've ever heard, but it's incredible. <laughs> and so she like, gave, I couldn't believe somebody who sang like her was, um, give you know, like loved my voice. So then I started singing a little bit more demos and this guy in LA, he was a guy, he signed Aerosmith and ACDC and all these people. He offered me a record deal. But I never, like being an artist, it never was what I ever wanted to do. Yeah, I, I think that people will find that unbelievable because if someone offered me a record deal, I take it, even though I can't really <laughs> sing or write or perform. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because pretty much everybody, like even most of the guys, they they wanted to do records. And like, I just didn't want to have to, I think you got to live for it. If you want to like Taylor Swift and Kenny Chesney, they live for performing on stage. That's, that's their whole world. And like so much of their life goes into that. I feel like sometimes they're kind of always working just because everybody wants their attention and there's just, it just takes over your life. And I never... I don't know. I never wanted to have to. I, I don't love being on stage unless I'm talking. I'd rather talk. I get too nervous. Yeah. You know, Amy, the thing that amazes me is the just the whole idea of songwriting by appointment. I really had no idea that's how it worked. Can you explain that a little bit? Like it's a job for you when people hire you to just come in and write a song with them? Yeah, it's completely a job. Like the thing is like a lot of it's funny because people usually like nobody really understands how this works that hadn't been here because it's really crazy. Like you we keep a calendar like in every like during my busiest songwriting times, I would write twice a day a lot. And so you write like we would write at 10 a.m. We get coffee and everything and go in there and some days you just sit there and, and you're with different groups of people each day. And um, sometimes you just sit there and stare at the notebook and you don't have anything. And then sometimes an idea will just take off. But like, um, so we would write around 10 and then we would just go until usually all the great stuff would happen pretty quick in a couple hours. And then you're just trying to fix it and like edit it. And um, it's it's really great. I love that I'm not, you know, an artist because each time I write, I get to write with a different artist or somebody who sings. So my catalog is like just this crazy variety of all these amazing people that are doing like I for some reason have gotten way more guy cuts. Like I get girl songs cut, but just way more guy songs. Mm. Why do you think that? I think because my dad was such a big influence and we always listened to the people he liked. And so like, um, I, I think, I, I feel like I kind of think in a male point of view, like when we're writing, because plus there's so many more guys that record songs. Like that there's so many, right now there's hardly any females on the radio. Yeah, that's no, a problem. I know. It's that's really not sad. Good. Yeah. 
That's a problem. That's a, yeah, that's a well-publicized problem. Um, but you have a big hit with Blake Shelton. That was one of your most recent songs, for instance. So again, we can't play it, but Amy, I'm going to put together a Spotify playlist of all the songs you've written for our Satellite Sisters audience. So they understand just how many hits you have. Um, you, you might, know, one of my favorite stories in the this. book. Oh, go, go, go ahead. And I'll tell you this in a minute. Okay. Well, one of my favorite stories in the book was about Rick Springfield and your love of him <laughs> at age 12. And as a fellow Rick Springfieldian, uh, I just couldn't believe that at age 12, you s- somehow managed to maneuver to get yourself a first bra, get to the concert and throw that new bra on stage at Rick Springfield. <laughs> I, I had the most full circle moment of my life about probably six months ago. So I had, I'd had the book for a while. I wrote with Rick, my husband, my husband, I felt for him because we wrote with Rick Springfield on Valentine's day about 10 years ago. And Chris was like, that's just what I want to write with my wife and Rick Springfield. on Valentine's (laughs) Day." But the crazy full circle moment Okay, so when I was 13, I I tried to meet him at 12, and then I finally got back there and met him at 13, and I was, like, standing there, like, with, like, a raccoon face from crying with mascara, and I was telling him, I know you don't believe me, but we're getting married, and he got in this van, and he slid, but they slid. We did this TV show where we talk about like where the song came from or something. And we were talking about a maze, but Rick Springfield was on the episode before us. And I asked the guy, can I, can I come over there? Cause I wanted to give Rick Springfield that chapter of the book. And, oh. um, <laughs> and I purposely didn't read it because I know I called his wife a bitch in there. I mean, yeah. I was 13 when that happened, but I just, I I purposely didn't read it because there's some crazy stuff in there. And so I go to that thing and a few girls after he performed, a few girls were over there trying to talk to him. And so was I. And then his man, and then Rick remembered me. He remembered right. And I couldn't believe it. And he's like, yeah, we wrote that song. What was it? Rebel. And it was called Rebel Heart. So then the manager just kind of ushered me. And so Rick and me get in a van and they close that door and we drive down to where um, there was a house right by where we were playing. And so we drive down there to that house and um, we sat there and I gave him the chapters and I know he thinks I'm insane. Like, yeah. but you know, the best part, best, best part is he emailed me like probably about four days after I gave him a few chapters, not just that one. And he emailed me about four days after and he said, Wow, I feel bad about getting married. And then a smiley face and Rick. And oh. I, I still can't Perfect. believe it. So he apologized for getting married. <laughs> I love that. I love that follow up because that was a fun in in the midst of all the chaos that you grew up in. That was a a fun moment there. Um, All right. I want to talk a little bit about music as we as we wrap up. Just uh, this has been a long year for a lot of people. And your book is just punctuated, of course, not only with the songs you wrote, but 
really the soundtrack of your life, which was fun. It was another one of those books that I read with my Spotify open. So when you mentioned a song, I could play it and it just put me in the mood. But I'm wondering what you've been listening to uh, over the last course of the last year during this pandemic. Is there some type of music or genre or particular artist that's meant a lot to you? I've been listening to a lot of what my teenagers listen to because like I it's weird with I don't listen to much country music because I don't want to accidentally wander into something that I've heard like I I usually I've always loved rock music but I am loving this new um Tim McGraw record I got this song on it that I tried to write with people for four years and mm. um, it the idea I just love it so much it's about losing your dog and I knew that people would relate because I kept seeing posts on Instagram about people that had lost their dog and they would they were just trying to cope with it. And um, we lost a dog last year, but I that song I just is really special. I'm a dog free. I love dogs. We're, you're amongst dog people. Yes, we <laughs> love dogs too. So that's on the new Tim McGraw album. Yeah, and that's a really good record. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you do say so. Yourself. What's, the name, what's the name of the actual song? Um, it's called Doggone, but it's oh. a really good record, like all the way through. I mean, like he picks such good songs. Okay. okay. Doggone. Okay, I'm looking at the music video. Again, we can't play it because Apple will sue us. <laughs> but um, okay. So what about Christmas music? How are you a fan of holiday music? Is that something you listen to in your home or is that too much for you? What, how do you feel about it? And cause I want, I want you to add a couple of songs to our holiday playlist. So in general, do you like Christmas music? Yeah, I do love Christmas music. One weird thing is I kind of like sad Christmas songs. I've only written one Christmas song and it's sad. And then um, I love this one song by Coldplay. It's my favorite Christmas song called Christmas Lights. And then I love Winter Wonderland too. Okay. Okay. Well, we're okay. So, uh, what, Christmas, Christmas lights. lights. I'm adding it. I'll add it to our Spotify playlist. That'll be fun, Amy, to have your personal picks. And and maybe I'll just put Doggone on there too. Because <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious if y'all like Doggone, if you're dog people. But there's another song I was trying to figure out how to get to you guys because it's not on Spotify. It's the one Christmas song I wrote with, there's this girl, Caitlin Smith, and she's my favorite 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 female artist in Nashville she's huh. not she I wouldn't call her she's kind of like she's kind of country but then she's kind of just like somebody like Adele that just crosses genres and mm -hmm. we wrote this Christmas song and she sings it so beautiful I, I'm I'm gonna see if I can't get somebody to help me get it on Spotify so I could put it on that list okay good I would love that Okay. And I will check out Caitlin Smith. Amazing. Yeah, okay. So oh, look good. at her. She almost looks like Adele too. All right. We have a song on there too called Supernova that I love on her newest record. Okay. All right. I'm going to write all these down. I'm going to get all these organized. We have a lot of music lovers amongst the Satellite Sisters. So what are your plans for the holiday? I mean, are you doing a lot of book events or just a couple or what's going on? 
I'm, I've got a few book events. Like I got a great surprise the other night. This lady on TV just was, she loved the book and she recommended it. Dana Perino. I don't know if y'all oh, yeah. know her. I, I love her. I, I mean, I didn't know her and she read the book and then called me and she was just like telling me how much she loved it. And she, she has done so much trying to help me. Like, um, just, just, I mean, just because she wanted to. Well, that's nice. Well, you know, I think uh, you've written a really personal, astonishing, revelatory story. I mean, I was amazed by that. And I think the fact that you emerged from that experience now, you know, it's decades later, you've been able to make some sense of it really is amazing. I mean, the, and you're a wonderful writer. Obviously you are a songwriter and a storyteller, but that you've been able to translate that skill to prose. So uh, I just really thought the book was amazing. You must be very proud of it. Thank you so much. You know, I was thinking um, this morning, it kind of goes back to that line I love about the book feels like that to me now, like my greatest gifts in in ribbons of pain coming that way, because this book, like, is for sure the most painful thing I've ever done in my life. I mean, I've got a bad OCD and with me just rewriting it. Y'all wouldn't believe it. I got a whole room full of paper. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, a whole room. And it's shredded in these bags because I was waiting to have a book release party. I planned it for years. Oh. And then I was going to drop all that as confetti. Oh. But, um, yeah, but so I still plan on having it whenever this virus, like the vaccine or whatever, makes this better. Okay, I think that's a great plan. I would yeah. love y'all to come to it if you come to Nashville. I'm going to do it at um, Blake Shelton's bar because I want to do live music on the bottom. And then there's a middle floor and um, we could drop that confetti and then there's a rooftop. So I want to have a big, big book release. Okay, that sounds okay. That is worth looking forward to. (laughs) I'm in. I'm in. I'm 100% in. And I think everybody will be ready to party by then. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on Satellite Sisters and sharing your story and your music with us, Amy Mayo. Uh, We really appreciate it. It's been just a pleasure to talk with you. Have a great holiday season, you and your family. Stay safe. Okay, y'all too. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Thanks, Amy. Thank you. We are so happy at Satellite Sisters to have BritBox as a sponsor. You know, we love it. It's the streaming home of the best British television with exclusive mysteries, crime dramas, comedies, documentaries, and more. Julie, what's your fave? Vera, I love this show. I'm on season 11. I mean, Brenda Blethyn is such a great actress. And the character Liz Vera, I don't know if you've watched it, but she's essentially Margaret Thatcher in a trench coat, okay? (laughs) She is bossing people around and solving crime. I love her. Okay, well, I want to especially recommend Archie. Archie is a brand new limited series. It's starring Jason Isaacs as Archie Leach. Who is he? He's the man who became Harry Grant. And, oh. you know, 
What's so interesting about this is it's sort of about how he became a star in old Hollywood, how he went from being Archie Leach to being Cary Grant, but also because it's him growing up in old Hollywood, there are a lot of people in the in the movie playing Doris Day, Grace Kelly, George Burns. It's little snapshots of what it was like to become a movie star back in the day. So I really enjoyed it and recommend. So sign up for BritBox today to stream Archie and any other fan favorites from any device you have. So we have a special limited time offer. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for the monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use our promo code SISTERS at checkout. Got it? Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Use promo code SISTERS at BritBox.com. Okay, we're back. It was great to talk to Amy. Uh, you know, if you want to find our Spotify playlist, we're going to put that in pep talk this week. That is our weekly newsletter. I hope you have subscribed. And I hope if you like pep talk that you're forwarding it to your friends so you can share the sisterhood. Um, we always put a little pep talk in there. We do highlights of the podcast. And Liz, we're cooking up more and more special segments that are going on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. So instead of listing them all on um, the podcast, we're putting them in pep talk. Like you have one coming up this week, yes, right? Yeah. So so next week on Instagram Live, I'm going to be talking to Michelle Cruz. She's a longtime satellite sister. She's a pro professional singer, and she's part of Trinity Rep in Providence, Rhode Island, which puts on an annual Christmas carol. So how are they doing that this year? Anyway, she's got, it's sort of a hashtag sat sisters, look what I did, because you cannot believe what she has organized. So I just want to get everyone in on that action and enjoying Michelle as an artist during this time that's very hard for the performing arts. So I'm, so next Thursday, I will be live with her on the Satellite Sisters Instagram feed. Great. So all of stuff like that will be in pep talk. We're going to try to list it. We have more special interviews coming up, other things we recommend. There's a to-do list every week. So if you want to subscribe to pep talk and you haven't, just go to SatelliteSisters.com. The form will pop up within like, I think it's technically three seconds of you arriving at our website. And you can just <laughs> fill that in. You, you All we need is an email address. We don't do anything with that. We never have. Just no. You're just going to get the pep talk. You're yeah. not going to be inundated with anything else. Just a little pep talk and your inbox every Friday. All right. It's time for entertaining sisters. Um, okay. Julie, I know you haven't watched the undoing. No. So to you and to all of the satellite sisterhood and misterhood that have not watched the HBO hit drama, we are not going to reveal any spoilers. No, nope. the finale was last Sunday night, but there was tangible excitement amongst our text chain, wasn't there, Liz? You, there me, was. Sheila, about the undoing. We could not wait for that finale. <laughs> really, the highlight of the Julie, week. It was, so, it was so exciting that last night, Sheila organized a Zoom call just so that Sheila, Leon, and I could all talk about the finale. So okay. how about that? That's... Well, then I have to get on this because <laughs> that, that sound, sounds major. Okay, so this is the HBO drama uh, that starred Hugh Grant, Nicole Kidman, and uh, Den Donald Sutherland. It was written by David E. Kelly. That's written a million things. Uh, it featured New York City coats, uh, a murder, a whodunit. Uh, there were private schools and fundraisers and, you know, exotic apartments and lots and lots and lots of walks through Central Park. Yes. And 
you know, I saw someone on Twitter describe it as where prestige TV meets trash TV. And it was a perfect description. Yeah, because was it good, Liz, or was it bad? We don't know. I still don't know. I still don't know. (laughs) I mean, we know who done it, but we don't know if they done it any good. I don't know. It was but it was wildly entertaining. I'll give it that. It was it was what the most TV wise for me, Home Alone, with just the fire on and the undoing. And Sheila and I were texting the whole time during the finale. You told us not to include you during the finale because you were going to watch later. So, like, I knew it had started when I got a text from Sheila that just said, sweater coat, exclamation point. (laughs) So that's how how the excitement started on Sunday night for me and Sheila. So, Julie, I think I think when you watch it, it's important. Um, a couple of important details. It's okay. six episodes long. Okay. So uh, that's the perfect length. If it yeah. was one yeah. more episode long, the magic spell would be broken. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think you should plan a time over the holidays where you watch it one episode a night or every other night. Do not yeah. binge the episodes because then it will dawn on you that it's not that good. So that just... <laughs> Or right? just there are some giant holes that okay. yeah. will be obvious, but spread you it just out. have to okay. overlook that. Overlook it. But okay. if you watch it like one episode a night or every other night, like the cliffhangers will have more meaning. And yeah. yes, you won't notice the giant holes. And uh, and then finally, just let yourself enjoy it. Let yourself enjoy Hugh Grant doing something different, even though at the end you're like, I think that was a terrible performance, but I don't know. <laughs> was it? Many okay, people love you. it, Leon. Many people think he's th- that's an Emmy worthy performance. Oh. I, don't know. I thought the kid in the I thought that his son like acted, you know, circles around him, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, I read an article in the LA Times about Hugh Grant like stepping out of his comfort zone, what happened to Mr. Romantic Lead, and now he's playing this dramatic role. And he said, uh, it was interesting to me, he said all of his movie offers completely dried up after he released, quote, a massive turkey with Sarah Jessica Parker. Did you ever see that movie? Did you hear about the Morgans, about the couple getting divorced? Yes, yes. That's what he called it in the LA Times, a massive turkey. He said, that was it. I was done as a leading man. And he said, you know, it took a couple years to actually get any offers for smaller parts after that. But that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So I hope that he was home in London. I hope he's exfoliating and moisturizing because uh, his skin was very dry the entire series. So, um, but other is than that, is this uh, something that you could lure your husband to watch with too? Or is this better to go solo? I tried to lure my husband. And he had, uh, you know, he had read a not favorable review in the Wall Street Journal. So he's out. Like that's, that's oh. all it takes for him. So, and then he got very curious as I was two or three episodes in and I wouldn't let him watch. I'm like, no, no, you would not watch this with me. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Julie, Julie, I'd say this. I mean, I've never had a husband, but, um, the, it depends on what, what your husband enjoys. Like for me, about half of the pleasure of this show was like the paint colors, the (laughs) apartments, uh, the wardrobe and hair. So if your husband would appreciate how much of the entertainment work those elements are doing, then I think he would enjoy this. But if he's purely like a plot driven, get maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, He's a born identity guy. That's, you know, that's his genre right there. Right. So maybe not. 
Okay. All right. Good to know. I, I can I can plan my viewing separately then. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's available on HBO Max or if you have H, you can have all the episodes on HBO Max now. Or if you have HBO, I'm sure they'll be rerunning it endlessly because it was a giant hit for them. It was one of their big scripted hits of all time. But great yeah. ratings. So yeah. or well, they don't have ratings, but viewership. So anyway, it's done. It's over. Now there's a giant hole in our hearts. That's what we said last night on our Zoom. What are we going to watch now? So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, I have one suggestion that will really perk you up. And so it's not a multi-episode experience, Leanne, so it's not going to fill a huge hole. <laughs> but, but last night on Netflix, I watched the documentary about Debbie Allen's Dance Academy that's called Dance Dreams for you, Leanne, as a dancer. You might even pick up a few moves. You can pick yeah. up a few moves because it is... Um, it's an original take on the Nutcracker. So it's all original music. So basically she choreographed uh, a kid's Nutcracker with all original music, no Tchaikovsky, and the kids play almost all of the major roles. So there are a few adults in there, but the kids are the stars. And the the story, the way she cre- rewrote the story, the three rats hijacked the story take Clara on this worldwide adventure. So you see dancing from all over the world. There's some Bollywood, there's some hip hop. It's really great. But this is the story of a season of putting the holiday performance together. So they start in like September with the casting and they take it all the way through uh, the performance over the holidays. But so you get the behind the scenes with the kids, which is just hundred percent adorable, but also her life story is so interesting. Debbie Allen. I mean, she is, yeah so unbelievably talented, mm-hmm. you know, and a sort of a, a triple threat. You know, she directs TV, she choreographs things, she does it all. So anyway, I highly recommend it. It's just a very happy, thoughtful, fun um, documentary, like an hour and 20 minutes long, and it's called Dance Dreams Hot Chocolate Nutcracker. All right. Excellent, Liz. And then I have one more quick recommendation. I'll write more about this in the newsletter, but it's a new book of poetry by Kate Bear. Kate Bear is one of those Instagram poets. And I I respect women that are out there putting up their content on Instagram. And this is her first collection of poetry. It's really accessible. It's understandable. Like she's just very, has a very contemporary voice and the poems are about motherhood and, you know, eating and diets and relationships and babies. And I just really, really enjoyed reading through the whole book. I found it, um, yeah, very sustaining and supportive. So the name of the book is What Kind of Woman? Uh, it's by Kate Bear, B-A-E-R. It would be a great gift book, and you could give it to women of all ages, really. So uh, from your college daughter all the way on up. So uh, it's a wonderful book, What Kind of Woman? I'll put that in pep talk as well. All right, Liz, cooking with Liz. What we got cooking this week? What we got cooking? (laughs) Okay. Well, we have to wrap up the dessert uh, episodes. So I remember that the holiday season concept was four dishes, a, an appetizer, a main course, a side, and a dessert. And that would all be made on four subsequent weekends. So this past weekend was the dessert weekend. I made cranberry lemon bars that were featured in the New York Times cooking section. And Leanne, I did make a test batch. I was your only guest outside for a socially distanced Thanksgiving. So you got a chance to see and taste my test bars. And so, you know, so what did you think? And then I'll tell you how the, how it worked in the finale. Well, they tasted delicious. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, there was... Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, the you you did wrap each bar individually. They were not uniform cut sizes. You know, there was a there yeah. was a there was a casualness to the presentation of the bar. And I I think you forgot the powdered sugar because I, I totally noticed. forgot the powdered sugar. Yeah. Like the next day when I woke up, I was like, oh, I didn't even put on the powdered sugar. It was a dill sauce situation. Oh. So, but Correct. they tasted delicious, Liz. And that's you know, yeah, that's all that mattered in that moment. In that moment. Yeah. As, as the test batch. So for Julie, you probably, did you see the episodes over the weekend? I so I, I did. It was exciting, Liz, when you pulled those bars out of the baking dish all in one piece, the, the, the expression on your face was perfect. You were as thrilled as I've seen you in the last nine months. I, <laughs> it was really a triumph for you. But once again, tension, because I, you almost forgot the powdered sugar uh, to put I it did. on. I did. And really, it took it to a different level in terms of the quality of it. And there it you did. were with your pizza cutter, just like just cutting up those bars. But Liz, it was really a proud moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. Yes. I think that is one of the advantages to doing cooking with Liz live so that I'm getting comments as I'm going along because it was the comments that saved me on the uh, on the powdered sugar. And so just in the nick of time, I had made the first cut, but I had not cut up all the squares. So, so thank you to everyone that helped, um, help me save that. And I did then, uh, wrap up servings for neighbors who have been helpful, uh, previously on cooking with Liz. So, uh, my neighbor Paula down the hall, my neighbors, uh, Deborah and Bernard across the courtyard, they all got them and were very appreciative. So, um, so there you go. So that was theoretically. That was the end of cooking with Liz the holiday season, but I thought that I deserved some kind of wrap party uh, <laughs> that, you know, just like we got to perk it up. So I reached out to a mixologist I know. I thought maybe we could just do like a, a early evening cocktail wrap party. So, uh, Julie, you may not know that Leon's son, Colin, is quite the mixologist now. Did you know that? I, did, I didn't know that. I mean, I know he was working with cheese boards, doing a lot of yeah. that in that area. I think, was that his major in college, cheese boards? It was, <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. yeah, okay. But mixology, okay. Very. We don't have a mixologist in the family, so... Uh, we, we do not. We do not. So I... Helpful. Yeah. So I reached out to Colin and asked him, would he be willing to create a uh, signature cocktail for the Cooking with Liz holiday party, uh, rap party, and teach me how to make it on an episode? So he'd have to tell me what the ingredients are, and he'd be making it on his end, and then I would be making it on my end. And he immediately agreed. But Leon, it sounds like he's already doing some, you know, advanced homework on coming up with this. Yes. No, he has risen to this challenge. He's excited to create a drink. And uh, so he, he was out shopping the other day. We're going to take another shopping trip this week. So uh, just to make sure we have, he has all the concoctions and all the, um, mm -hmm. the accoutrements. So he's very excited, Liz. <laughs> we're getting a concoctions and accoutrements. Yeah. So that's when you know it's a party. So, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this live in the Facebook group on Saturday the 12th at 4 p.m. Pacific time. So um, just a little cocktail, 7 p.m. <coughs> 7 p.m. for some of you, but 
It's a 4 p.m. is okay here too. It's early bird. Early <laughs> it's bird drinking. Early, early bird cocktail party. And I'll put a I'll put this up in the Facebook group so you know the time and you can tune in and you can see Colin teach me how to make a uh, a signature cocktail. Ooh. And that will be uh that will be the finale finale, the wrap for 2020. So there you go. All right. So December 12th. So not this Saturday, a week from Saturday. Exactly. exactly. Got it. Okay. Because sometimes it takes people a little while to hear the episodes. So I just want to make sure nobody misses it, Leanne. So oh, yeah. you, you know. don't want to miss that bar episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Liz. Exciting. Exciting. And again, if you need information about really important things like this, Pep Talk is the place to go. Pep yes. Talk's the place to go. All right, we would like to thank our sponsors this week. And thanks to all the Satellite Sisters and Misters that support our sponsors. It's how we're able to do the show, and we really appreciate it. A big thank you to our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. Thank you, Sergio. We appreciate how great you make the show sound and how you can connect all of us in various places. Thanks to our guest, Amy Mayo. Talking to the Sky is the name of her memoir. Uh, More information on Amy will be in Pep Talk as well. All right, time for our to-do list. Liz, what do you? Well, this could be the year. Well, no, I shouldn't start it that way. Is this the year when I send out uh, holiday cards? Uh, maybe. Again, got nothing else to do. If I'm testing my fecal matter, maybe I should be using that energy to. Okay. Uh, I anyway. said no more. I said no more. <laughs> so I'm going to. I'm going to make a decision this week because if I do decide to send out cards. I don't have anyone's mailing addresses. So then I would have to start collecting mailing addresses. So it's going to be time consuming. So got it. It's a go, no go week for that. You should just do a podcast and send it to people. Cause yeah, I mean, I think people think you're kidding, but I, I like six months ago, you actually said to me, can I get your mailing address? And we have lived in this house for 25 years. So <laughs> it's really just, it's usually the zip code. I don't know, but yeah, I just asked mm-hmm. for the whole thing. Yeah. It's not- All right. Well, I, I have a big decision on my to-do list. Tree is arriving this weekend from Oregon. We always buy the tree uh, through my son's high school. It's a fundraiser for them. Comes off the truck from Oregon. Colored lights or white lights this year? Uh-huh. I may mix it up with some colored lights. We've gone with color on the outside of the house. It looks very cheery. It's super it's, cheery. It's perky. It per- right. it's yeah. perky. We perked it up with colored lights. The neighbors have all done color. looks fun, so I might do the tree in color. I like it. Well, my to-do is is related to that, Leanne. I'm just going with more lights inside. I've done some holiday decoration, but this year I'm I'm going to string up more lights around the house because I think it will make it cheerier. I like white lights. Uh, You can go with the colored lights, uh, but that's what I'm doing this week. More lights. Sounds good. All right, sisters. Have a great week. You too, Leanne. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. 